0: On this week's episode of Water Flying, we are in Alaska with Missy Lee from Alaska Floats and Skis at AK8.
1: You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes, brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the waterflying community. Climb aboard, we're about to start today's episode.
0: Well, we are back in Alaska with Waterflying Podcast, and I am joined by Missy Lee from Alaska Floats and Skis at AK8. Missy, thanks so much.
2: Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for having me here. It is an absolute honor.
0: Well, it's an honor to have you here. We've been trying to get together for quite a while. We've been roaming around Alaska trying to make a podcast work, and you made it happen today. And thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to do so.
2: It is no problem at all. Um, I really, really appreciate your time as well
0: so let's start with our uh, telling our listeners of course you and I have been talking quite a bit I've known Don for quite a while many years decades uh, and have enjoyed flying up here quite a bit with him Uh, let's talk a little bit about who Missy Lee is and who Alaska floats and skis is and what has led you on your journey to go from uh, to pursue this career in aviation now
2: Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Um, So I grew up flying in Talkeetna with my dad. My dad is Don Lee. He is um, an amazing pilot. He has so many experiences, and I am incredibly lucky that he is my father. Uh, So I grew up flying with him in Talkeetna is where I was born. Um, I have vivid memories of him making us weightless and sick when I was little and my mom getting very upset about that. And so when you grow up that way, um, you know – aviation is a part of your life but I never ever could have anticipated it being a part of my life in this way so I uh, always liked flying as a hobby I was Mm -hmm. never super passionate about it as a career and so I always you You kind of
0: drifted away
2: I did yeah it was always fun for me but it Mm -hmm. wasn't my consuming passion and so um I was in college for a long time I have a Master's degree in educational leadership. I have part of my PhD in curriculum and instruction. And so teaching was really my calling, I felt. And it still is, but in a different way. Now
0: it's with floats and skis and bush flying.
2: It is. And, you know, aviation even though, um, that isn't my background, my background's education. I was a teacher for 10 years. I taught overseas. I was a part of, um, a lot of educational policy advocacy in Colorado. Um, I taught teachers. I was an instructional coach. I really loved teaching. I taught seventh grade social studies for a long time. Um, you know, I, it's, it's a huge part of my heart still, Um, but now if I don't fly for two weeks, I am just a little grouch. (laughs) So, um, aviation in a different way because my environment has shifted has really become, um, a passion that I did not anticipate. So it is a very pleasant surprise.
0: Well, your dad is a legend here in Alaska. And to many people that have had the good fortune of flying with him over the years in the lower 48 or or around the world, because people come to Alaska Floats and Skis literally from all over the world. And considering that the town of Talkeetna is about one block long, um, that is just unbelievable. And it is a magical place. And the adventures that I have had with Don and... Uh, flying out of of Talkeetna and with your father is just amazing and I have to tell you over and over again talking to other people that have come and had the experience they say the same thing it's literally a life-changing experience to come fly with your guys
2: we hope that <laughs> always of course you know um it's so much fun to fly floats and but you know more than the flying itself to me uh, the number one thing is actually the people. So it's the who and then the what. And so, um, you know, Don is, is larger than life. Um, (laughs) He makes flying fun no matter what, even if you can't fly, he makes it fun because there's a fishing pole or a canoe to go out in. So he always makes the best of every moment. He seizes the day more than anybody I've ever met. And he is, he is the hardest working person I've ever met. And so growing up with that example, I for sure have taken that to heart.
0: Yeah, well, I think you have a great opportunity, and it's really refreshing to have the conversations that we've had, but also the point of view and the approach that you bring to the business now with the education background, I think is really fascinating. And it's going to provide a whole new training experience and an in depth and different perspective. So many pilots and aviation businesses are founded by people that have all the best intention of the world, but they have no business experience or they love flying and they want to communicate that to other people, but how effective they are at teaching people the skills that they need to do this safely and competently is a different, uh, a different thing entirely. So I think your education background really is going to be a really cool new asset that, that other schools and facilities aren't going to have that, that advantage of having that education background.
2: Steve, teachers are superheroes, and in case you didn't know that, uh, please listen to that because um, it is the hardest job I've ever had, ever. Um, you love the kids. It's so much emotional labor. You pour out your whole heart and soul to what you're doing, and so um, to all the teachers out there, thank you so much for what you do, um, but with that said, you know, um, teaching in, in every capacity is important. Including CFIs and every step along the way. So, I feel so incredibly lucky to be at Alaska Floats and Skis at AK 8 to be able to be part of that. Um, You know, when I first made the transition from teaching uh, to the flight school, which I bought from my dad um, a year ago now, um, I was kind of concerned because teaching was so fulfilling to me in so many ways that I wasn't sure that this job would be. And um, I will just tell you, it definitely is. Um, You know, I have clients that write me emails all the time telling me that it was the best time they've ever had in an airplane. I have pilots tell me they were really burnt out on flying and they came to fly with us and it totally reinvigorated them and their passion for aviation. I have people come back with the biggest smiles I've ever seen and say, you know, that that was the best check ride they've ever had in their life because they saw a bear and a moose and of course on their check ride on their check ride. And of course any check ride with Don Lee is, is going to be a good time. So
0: he's yeah. larger than life. And I don't know how else to say that if you've never had the pleasure of flying or knowing or spending any time around Don, um, it is a, a treat.
2: It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he drives me a little bit crazy, but I'm his daughter. So you know. living
0: with it 24 <laughs> hours a day, 365 days a year. <laughs> It would give you a different perspective, potentially.
2: He's a special person, and I very much admire so many of his traits, for sure.
0: (laughs) We say that with all love, Don. You are a special person. You're special. So your facility, your school, the training atmosphere, everything, there's just so much that's different about it from most training environments. Number one, you guys are flying PA-22s. They're very short-coupled. It's a different aircraft than most schools use. Which is very interesting, and on top of flying them on floats, you also have training available on big tires and on skis. And I, have for years, have been coming up here wanting to fly with you guys on skis. And whenever I'm here, the weather conditions haven't um, cooperated. So we have flown big tires on the river, though.
2: Yeah. So. You know, um, floats is the majority of what we do. We have five Piper Pacers on floats. Um, They're great little float planes. It's side-by-side instruction, which offers a lot of instruction um, in a way that's different. You can read people's facial expressions. You can read their body language. Um, There's just a different communication style with side-by-side instruction that we really value, and that's part of why we like the airplane. Um, And then we do a bush course, uh, which includes a uh, mountain flight um, also back, uh backcountry gravel strips and then Canyon and river flying and also a highway landing. Um, and so that of course is super fun. Um, there's no endorsement or rating with that. So it really is just, you know, we're teaching how to think about flying in the bush. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is, is theory and um and so, you know, flying in Alaska is, is always a good time. Um, but then we are launching a new course on mountain flying. We are in the shadows of the largest mountain in North America, um, Denali. And so we are extremely lucky to be in this environment and be able to offer mountain flying in a different way than anywhere in the United States and arguably the world. And so um, our location has a lot to do with how wonderful of an experience it is to fly up there in Alaska, up here, you know, but it also, um, our school is different than any school in the world for other reasons as well. We have a brick pizza oven on the patio on the lake. Mm-hmm. We do pizza nights probably twice a week uh, where we provide the dough and the toppings and people make their own pizza. There's always a cooler full of beer, paddle boards, canoes. Beer makes-
0: and pilots? I, 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 <laughs> really?
2: Pilots drink. <laughs> I mean, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I would have never guessed.
2: (laughs) I think pilots like to have fun. You know, whether they drink or not, they are all like really, really pleasant people. I've been um, pleasantly surprised with the aviation community, how incredibly welcoming they are. Um, People come to our flight school. I always say they come strangers and they leave part of our Alaska Floats and Skis family Um, About 30% of our clientele is repeat clientele. Um, They come back to Funfly. They keep in touch over the winter by email. Um, You know, they become our friends. We really do care about people on a deeper level. Um, Not only do we want them to have the best flying experience ever, we also care about them as human beings. And we want them to be safer. We want them to be better. We offer rigorous programs because we want them to, um, you know, be the best that they can be every day. And we hope that, you know, fi- flying floats is is very fun, um, of course. And that's a huge part of it. But in a bigger vision for the school, we really want to increase aviation safety on a bigger level. And so, um, to me, the more different kinds of airplanes you fly and the more environments you fly in, the better pilot you'll become. So it's not Gee, just- I wonder,
0: that sounds like something I've heard before that I preach all the time so that's <laughs> so refreshing to hear and, and they hear you say that as well and i completely agree <laughs>
2: hey great minds think alike steve what can i say
0: so let's set the stage number one you said there's so much to to, to unpack here from what you just said that is worthy about talking about 30 percent of your customers are return business i think for a lot of people getting a seaplane rating is a bucket list item they can brag to their friends that they have a seaplane rating and that their friends don't. They go through the experience. A lot of times, they'll never even fly a seaplane again. But a 30% return customer rate is amazing. I mean, that's really, that. that's great. And that says a lot about the program and the experience.
2: It does. We are incredibly thankful for all of our clients. Um, you know, I never take a single client for granted. Um, we are just, um, we love it. You know, we love people and... I think that love and authenticity shows in what we do, in who we hire, in the environment there. It's extremely supportive and positive. Um, And that's the kind of place I want to work at. And so that's the environment that I do my very best to create.
0: Well, let's talk about what the environment is. And so people can kind of get somewhat of a feel, whether they've been to Alaska or not. So typically the customers are going to arrive in Anchorage by air, probably. How many of the customers are Alaskans versus non-Alaskans? Is probably a majority coming for the lower 48 or somewhere else.
2: Yeah. You know, so um, before COVID, we had quite a large international following. We have a lot of Europeans, mm-hmm. Australia, New Zealand, even South America, Canada, all over the world. Um, big groups from Europe come. Um, Once COVID hit, we had a lot of Alaskans fly that year, which we're incredibly grateful for. Um, You know, we love flying with Alaskans. They get Alaska in kind of a different way than anybody else does. Um, But then now, uh, last year, uh, you know, we had very little international clientele still, but most people from the lower forty-eight. Mm -hmm. Um, it's always a little bit of a mix. And then now we're getting our international clients back as well as people from the lower 48, but they do fly in to Anchorage, Anchorage, the hub, which is
0: about two and a half hours. South, Southeast of Tolkeetna. Correct. And it's a wonderful journey up and it gives you a chance to reset and kind of get into the mindset of what you're going to be experiencing for the next week when you do your flight training. Talkeetna. for those of you that have never been to the wonderful town that I never come to Alaska and not go to Tolkitna because I just love the town going to the roadhouse is a tradition and it was very disappointing this week because they were still closed, but it opened up some new opportunities to go to some of the other restaurants. But it's this wonderful little town that is essentially exists and has um, since it's insepa- or since it was founded for climbers to use as a base camp and a launching po- or a launching point to start their ascent on Mount McKinley.
2: Correct. Yeah. You know, Talkeetna is a really special place. So even if you don't come there to fly, you should for sure come there. A cat is the mayor. Um, they, <laughs> a cat is the mayor. <laughs> they, uh, he, he's just doing a wonderful job. Um, and then... Uh, you no know,
0: recall can, coming up anytime yeah, soon.
2: You know, the best decisions are made because really not a lot are made. So, <laughs> you know, I, I would say uh, he's doing a better job than then some people probably would um but uh you know they say it's a a drinking town with a climbing problem there you go so it is it is the has been the the base of um, mountaineering expeditions on denali for quite some time um, which i also know a lot about cuz i actually summited denali
0: you did thank two- you for bringing that up
2: in 2005 so it's been a while but
0: that's still a pretty incredible feat
2: we were on the mountain for twenty three days, so wow. I'm intimate with the mountain. <laughs> I, I I know the mountain in a totally different way, and it was not always positive. <laughs> I
0: have been up to the base camp, uh, landing on skis in a beaver. My wife and I, and some friends of ours from Kenmore Air Harbor, um, came up and landed on the mountain. Uh, one of our early two thousands trips, and uh, it's an incredible, another incredible experience. Uh, But, you know, so you you guys are in the shadow. You're two and a half hours north of, of Anchorage, which gets you out in the bush. You're in the shadow of this incredibly powerful, beautiful mountain that you can literally see from Anchorage 200 miles away. And once you get at your training facility, not only is the attitude different, the people are different, the training program is different, but you have lodging and housing available on site.
2: We do, yeah. We have a lodge uh, right on Christensen Lake. Um, it's a four-bedroom lodge, but then we also have three different cabins. So our clients come from all over the world. They come and stay with us on site there. Um, it's very convenient to have the float planes out your out your front door, yes. and um, it's just it's it's more than flying. It's a whole experience there. Immersion, yeah. It's 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 resortish, um, but also. Still a little bit rustic Alaskan. Um, It's really, it's a very, very special place.
0: Yes. So let's talk about your amazing support of the educational programs that the Seaplane Pilots Association has been doing. I'm really excited because I'm looking forward to our future of working together and what we can develop further in our training programs and our educational programs but Don in Alaska Floats and Skis historically has been one of our biggest supporters of the Tyler Orso Chuck Himes Memorial Seaplane Scholarship that we offer. You've done several uh, uh, donated several ratings for the program. We have sent you um, several pilots uh, to get trained. And they have their own success stories because some of them literally, like Brooke Roman, have stayed behind and become a CFI after they completely changed their whole career path through being awarded the Tyler Orso Chuck Times Memorial Seaplane Scholarship because they've come and fallen in love with with the training program there.
2: Yeah, you know, I think when the vision of a business is to serve others, and that is our our vision, I want to increase scholarships every single year. I want... This to be, um, it creates purpose in what you're doing. Flying floats is fun, but I want it to be meaningful to people.
0: And so, in the addition to the Tyler Wars Chuck Kimes Memorial Scholarship, we have a new scholarship program that you're also supporting uh, with us the Women Making a Splash. Let's introduce our listeners to that program because it's very exciting. And we just did, uh, we're in the process of doing an award right now.
2: Sure. I would love to speak about that. It's something I'm very passionate about as a female in aviation. There are a lot of obstacles that are not talked about nearly enough in women in this industry. And, um, only 5.6% of pilots are women of that only 1% are seaplane pilots. And so there is a mission to, um, you know, increase the number of women seaplane pilots in the industry and in the industry as a whole as well. And so we have big visions that are bigger picture than just Telkeet Alaska and flying floats. And so we are in an attempt to, you know, um, just bring more education, bring more um, awareness to, to that topic.
0: Well, running a seaplane school is a very challenging environment financially and logistically and everything else, and it's always a big ask, and we always ask for support from seaplane schools very respectfully, I guess, because we know the challenges uh, more than anyone else of what it takes to operate a school, and yet year after year again, you guys have been so supportive, and now, again, we're supporting the second scholarship program with your help, and that means a lot to me personally. It means a lot to the association. And all the scholarships go through the Seaplane Foundation, which uh, is a partner with the Seaplane Pilots Association. And again, we're doing our first award uh, right now, and you'll have a new scholarship recipient coming your way. And in the case of someone like Brooke Roman, I know talking to her after a year or two of, of after the scholarship, she said, you know, The entire career path that I thought I was going on changed. And on top of it, I trained over 200 new seaplane pilots. So the effect of these scholarship programs and the importance of approaching the educational aspect like this is that by awarding one single scholarship, we had a scholarship recipient create over 200 new seaplane pilots in a very short period of time. That is unbelievably impactful. So if you... Look at the women making a splash scholarship. Just imagine the effect that that can have on opening up more doors for women in seaplane flying in the community.
2: For sure. I think that um, you can never underestimate the ripple effect that giving gives because in the aviation industry, and Don always says this, people are brought up into it. you know, it's not something that necessarily always, it can happen off sheer will. But if you talk to almost any pilot, no pilot is without a mentor or somebody who has helped them along the way. And, um, you know, Don's stories are incredible about how he has struggled through being a pilot. Um, you know, uh, he just had a big dream and a lot of goals and um the sheer just grit and determination to make it work Mm -hmm. and so that that is what it takes a lot of times but to be in a position to be able to help people into the industry even our cfis that come and work for us it is you know we focus a lot on training them on supporting them as much as sometimes i hate to see them go it is a joy to see them don't the leave the nest. Next. Don't leave the nest. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. You know, we uh, build those relationships and it is challenging, but we love to see people meet their, reach their goals, whatever those goals are. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, it's just a stepping stone, but we're a part of that. And, you know, the scholarships and giving back, it is not a burden. It is a joyful and um, amazing opportunity to be able to do that. And so I would encourage all flight schools to do the same. I mean, um, it is incredibly rewarding. You never know the impact that you're going to have. You know, with Brooke coming back to work for us, um, you just you just never know. And um, but when you do it, uh, just out of an act of service and to make the aviation industry a better place, um, you know, you never you never know what effect it could have. But we do hope that whoever gets the scholarship um, also. Pays it forward and passes that along however however they do that.
0: Yeah, and we have another success story with you with Sarah McShay.
2: Oh my goodness, Sarah. I could talk about her all day long.
0: So her parents uh, originally came to a Seaplanes 101 workshop that I was doing that's Sun and Fun. And I think they came back the following year for uh, an advanced seaplane uh, one, oh, not a 101 talk, but one of the other presentations I do at Sun and Fun. They ended up buying an air cam. Sarah, the whole family ended up doing their seaplane ratings. I think Sarah did hers on her 16th birthday. And then she ended up here training with you. And again, this is literally a direct result, something we can witness of... Our seaplane scholarships and workshops and educational programs, you know, we travel around the country. I do about 50 safety seminars and workshops a year. And to see the effect of that, and we were just at Kinmore Air Harbor earlier this year, and their chief instructor at Kinmore started out at a seaplane's 101 workshop with me in Puyallup uh, in 2016. Was He attended it. And then the following year, we did a, a career forum, And we had several industry representatives talking about alternative aviation careers. And one of them was Kenmore Air Harbor, John Gowie, uh, who's also on our board, the director of operations. And now, you know, he has gone on from attending the Seaplanes 101 to becoming the chief flight instructor of Kenmore Air Harbor. Great success story. So this is what we're doing. And it's important for people to realize that what we're doing, the Seaplane Pilots Association with partners like you guys, This all is possible and these are success stories and we don't talk about those enough and we are making an impact and that impact wouldn't be possible without support from companies like Alaska Floats and Skis and the cooperation that we've had. So to apply for the Tyler Orzo or the Women Making a Splash uh, scholarship, you can go to the seaplanefoundation.org website and there's an online application to apply the Women in Splash just closed. The new one has not opened up yet, but the Tyler Orso Chuck Himes Memorial Scholarship can be applied for anytime. So again, you can go to seaplanefoundation.org and look that up and there'll be an application available. What haven't we talked about? Uh, there's so much. I mean, you and I could talk about this all night. This could be an eight-hour podcast.
2: We it definitely could. Um, we have four other scholarships going as well. Um, we do a Women in Aviation Scholarship we recently uh, did a new scholarship with Cooper the Pilot and Hangar 22. Um, we, do, we work with Alaska Excel, who, which is an amazing program. Um, and kids from rural villages in Alaska get the opportunity to work in aviation and work towards their ratings. Um, and then we also have a brand new scholarship um, in honor of my cousin Tag Lee, Um, And so, it's a memorial scholarship. He passed uh, last summer at the age of 21, um, tragically. And so, we are offering a full private pilot scholarship to a local Talkeetna um, high school student. And so, um, so, we just are... So incredibly um, lucky to be in the position to give back and we will continue to do that as much as possible. You know, I think something else we could talk about is uh, just the different programs going on at Alaska Floats and Skis. We have a new um, CFI course and so it's a 21-day intensive CFI course. Um, you know, with fresh eyes on aviation coming in from the world of education, um, something that I saw right away with just talking with pilots was almost everybody has had um, a CFI that has not been a great teacher, and unfortunately, the industry is set up to where to make money, flying and getting your hours, you can teach, and that's that's one of the very few options to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know, uh, being a teacher is an amazing privilege, and not everybody sees it that way, and so. Um, with my teaching background, this was this became a passion really quickly. I'm like, if we are going to make aviation a safer, better place with more effective and competent pilots, you have to have great teachers. You just do, and so that is where my background kind of came in a little bit. I'm like, how how can we do this? How can we? How can I contribute to making better teachers? I'm a float school, mm-hmm. you know, and so. Um, this amazing woman, Martha Ann, um, came and flew floats with us, and then we just started chatting about about these passions. And um, sure enough, uh, now we have a CFI program. It's twenty one days. It's all inclusive: um, food, car, lodging, um, check ride, ground school, flying every day. Um, she's designed an amazing curriculum. She is one of the most hardworking and ambitious people I've ever met, and um, it is an amazing. Program. It's scenario-based. It is not just jumping through some hoop to become a CFI. It is leaving this program being 100% capable and competent and passionate about being a wonderful teacher. And so when we talk about these scholarships and ripple effects, absolutely, without a doubt, that is part of it. And I hope that our environment and float ratings and bush flying and mountain flying also are an inspiration and create ripple effects. We want that no matter what we're doing. But the CFI program is also new, and I think and I'm hoping that it will create a um, bigger picture um, way of just – improve the aviation community. And, um, we're just here to try to do that and be a part of that. And we're so lucky to be able to be a part of that. Um, and people are doing that all over the world. And so we are definitely not the only ones doing that, but it is our vision and it is our heart to see, um, aviation just get better, increase, uh, safety, increase competence, increase passion and inspiration, no matter what we do at every single turn.
0: I hope you all are hearing this because the passion and integrity and commitment that you have that that I feel when we talk I hope that's coming through to the listeners and um because it's so in, it's so evident and it's been my experience with Don every time I've ever been with him and it's nice to hear that heart and that commitment and that that connection when it comes to something that for so many people, it's just flight training. Mm -hmm. And so, and our condolences as well, because uh, the Tyler Orzow Chuck Kimes scholarship is a memorial scholarship. And we lost some very good friends on, in an untimely way as well, uh, which is how the whole scholarship program began. So um, we felt that pain. We, we continue to feel that pain and it's so important to turn a tragedy into how do you make, the best positive out of a tragedy, and one of the greatest ways I thought was to work with Terry and and create, you know, this um, memorial scholarship because um, that's that's what every time I award a scholarship, um, it, you know, it's hard to hold back the tears yeah. because I think about Tyler and Chuck, and they resonate uh, with me every time and uh but we're we're hopefully doing them justice through these scholarships and uh, touching other people and i know it works because we've talked about how it works so please look up alaska floats and skis at ak.8 um this is a conversation we can go on and on about i i don't know where to cut it off even because there's so much to talk about the program you're just uh, going
2: to have to do another podcast we're going to have to we just have Steve. to continue to
0: come up over and over and over again and i want to make sure everyone knows how thankful we are for all the support that you do how heartfelt it is as well for the whole family and th- what a difference it makes in the training that you experience when you come there
2: Uh, Yeah. Thank you so much. You know, I would just like to say one last thing about aviators, um, continue to be generous and do not ever underestimate your influence on the younger generation. We need more pilots. We need younger people to feel inspired and, um, have more exposure to the, to the, um, to the field. Um, I have one little last story so <laughs> I have a seventh grade student and um, when I was a teacher and my dad was visiting town um, in Colorado and so he came and spoke to my seventh grade class and um, you know once again not knowing you just expose kids to as much as you can as far as education goes and it's amazing what they grasp on to and um, I have us an old up past student. His name is um, Davis Barker. And I recently connected with him because he's a senior in high school and he's going on to Embry-Riddle. And this is in a small town in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And so um, we got together and I just asked him like, well, when did you know you wanted to be a pilot? And he's like, well, in your seventh grade class Mm -hmm. when your dad came and spoke to us. And, you know, that was one that took my dad 45 minutes. You know, so if you are a professional aviator or an aviator in any capacity, um, go speak in schools, go talk to kids. Um, Please like use this gift you've been given and these opportunities to inspire others. So I just want to encourage everybody, all the flight schools, um, all the pilots, anybody um, don't, do not underestimate the influence that you have on others um, because there needs to be a lot more inspiration happening, and um, so that's just my my last two cents.
0: <laughs> Come to Tolkitna and fly with Alaska Floats and Skis, and you will be inspired by what you're hearing right now. So um, there is no structured program; uh, it's it's more of a free form program based on what the pilots want and their skill levels and what their goals are. But it is a more uh, a longer program than most schools, I would say.
2: Um, so we have, so we have two different float courses. Mm -hmm. We have a five day float course, which is our normal one. It's up to 10 hours of flight training up to five hours of ground. And then we have an accelerated float program, which is three nights and it's up to six hours of uh, flight and, um, up to five hours of ground. We have the mountain flying course, which is five days. And then we also have the Bush, Bush course, which is three days. And so um, so most people come, you know, you can add So you days. can come five
0: times because you have to do all of them. You have to do all the <laughs> programs,
2: you know. Yes, of course. It gives you more reasons
0: to come back. So how should someone, if they're interested in pursuing the program, they want to look more, they can go to the website. Uh, can they email you or what email should
2: they use? Definitely. So our website is just alaskafloats.com. And um, the email is scheduling at alaskafloats.com. Okay. And um, I'm the one who checks that email. So I would love to, <laughs> love to chat with all of you guys. Um, and so, yeah. And then, you know, we're almost actually completely booked for the season. We're extremely busy and I'm forever grateful for and that. And season
0: ends in September. Yes. So it's yeah. a short season from late May till early September?
1: Uh, Till late
2: September. Okay. Late September. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every you know every month has different different um, perks to it. September is just gorgeous with the leaves turning. And one flight I went on in September, um, you know, flying the river, I saw like fifty bald eagle eating salmon. 50. it was unbelievable. I
0: think I counted thirty two once, which was mind-boggling.
2: It's just amazing the yeah. the wildlife in Alaska and the opportunities to see different things. And so um so yeah, the the website's the best way to look at the courses and look at what we offer.
0: Alaskafloats.com. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this very special and very kind of intimate uh conversation about passion for aviation and flying and the community and how to give back and again the inspiration that Alaska Floats and Skis and the Lee family have been to myself and the seaplane pilots association and foundation for their generosity and supporting us and supporting, helping us grow the future, the next generation, which is very important. Alaska alone and the seaplane community uh, within the United States has lost like 28 point or 28% of the seaplane pilots in the last 20 some years. Uh, We've had that much of a decline. So everything we can do to help, uh, Turn that it back into a positive and stop that decline of seaplane pilots is important. We hope you've enjoyed this very special episode from here in Alaska. And uh, as we look out at snow-covered mountains and dream of clear water that's not hard so we can start flying, um, Missy League, thank you so much. Until then, our friends, fly safe, fly often, blue skies and calm waters. We'll see you.
1: We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Waterfine, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community, and it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events, not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org. Join our community and support our mission of protecting and promoting waterflying.